What is up, Armchair Army? This is Joshua. Welcome back. Hope everything's been good on you guys' end. Kids doing good, dogs doing good, all that shit. But um, point of the show today is we're going to be talking about UFC 271, as well as the fight cards that happened between UFC 270 and now, and uh, the fight cards leading up to and including UFC 272 uh, in terms of looking forward. Um, but UFC 271 was in Houston. Um, we had a couple of like Oceania guys coming and fighting. I actually, me and my brother and one of my very best friends, Chris, all got to go to the fights in Houston. It was a pretty neat deal. Uh, it's actually the first pro fight that I've ever been to, um, which was really neat. I uh, had bought my brother tickets a couple years back and... Uh, he took his wife to the fights instead of me, and so this year, whenever I got him, I got him tickets. I was I just got him a ticket, and uh, and it was tag along with me. I wasn't getting left out this time, but <laughs> it's neither here nor there, um, and it's all it's all good. It's all jokes. But um, the main event was Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Obviously, everybody was super gassed up about this fight. Robert Whitaker had kind of a new fresh game plan but ultimately Israel Adesanya got it done I think it was a 4-1 on two of the cards and 3-2 on one of the cards I'm not exactly sure but I know that when it came right down to it whenever I watched the fight in person it definitely felt like Israel won right definitely seemed like he was controlling the octagon definitely seemed like he was landing the bigger shots when they were landing um you know maybe if Rob had gotten his wrestling going the way he got it going earlier in the fight this could have stolen some rounds um maybe could have zapped izzy's gas tank a little bit faster and then maybe the, the final rounds would have looked a little different but um you know izzy caught him with a straight left cross down the middle at the end of the first that set rob right on his ass um and yeah izzy ultimately got it done um you know he he threw lots of crazy kicks um He's impossible to hit. Um, you know, Robert is just a, a, a world-class wrestler, and so he was able to get him down and, um, you know, made it competitive this time. You could definitely tell that Robert was in a better place than where he was in the previous fight, um, but ultimately was still just not able to get it done. Um, you know, I don't know what you do next for either of these guys, to be really frank. I mean, I guess at this point, Robert is resigned to gatekeeping for Izzy and um you know for Izzy man it if let's get this straight it seems like Robert is a class above everybody else in the uh division and it seems like Israel's a class above him right so it's like who do you feed him I mean obviously we'll get to the fight that happened earlier in the card but it's definitely seeming like Jared Cannonier is going to be next in line um, but we'll see how that goes. You know, it just seems like, it, it seems like a very winnable fight for Israel. Um, so we're going to see how that goes. Um, stuff that's coming up on the horizon that, uh, could potentially have some stuff to do is, uh, Glover Teixeira and, uh, Yuri are fighting. Prochovsness or whatever. I don't know how, how you say his last name. I can't recall. And I don't mean to disrespect the fellow, but his name's Yuri and he's fantastic. And, uh, you know, if he can beat Glover, then maybe Israel can go up and fight him. That seems like an interesting fight. I uh, 
heard on uh, Brandon Schaub's The Schaub Show, um, shout out Mr. Thickness over there, um, that he was doing uh, some type of show and Yuri was there and DC was there and they were all remarking on how small Yuri is. And uh, that ultimately uh, Yuri is hardly bigger than Israel, not you know, not a not quite the size difference uh, that Israel Adesanya would have faced in the in the Jan Blachowicz fight. But uh, if I'm being really frank, I don't think I'm too too interested in any of that right now. Um, you know, I think that I would really like to see just Israel hold down that weight division. Um, I think it'd be really cool to see Israel, Kumaru, and Francis all hold down their divisions for a really long time. I really want an Africa card, like bad. I think it would, I think it would blow the roof off of the planet if you got Israel, Kumaru, and Francis all headlining, defending their straps as African champion, African world champions on the continent of Africa for the UFC's first card. I mean, it just seems like such a golden opportunity, right? And they were able to put up Fight Island in no time, right? You'd think that they could, with all the money they have behind all this, in the payday that is, you would imagine, to be guaranteed on the first continental African UFC fight card, um, that they could get it done relatively quickly, even if it was something, you know, not, not as grandiose as Fight Island. You know, we, could, we could do something. They could do something really cool. Um, and I would be 1,000% here for it. Um, so yeah, Israel Adesanya, still a champ, undisputed, um, you know, seemed clearly the winner in my book, um, has some really cool stuff that we're trending towards with potential uh, Africa cards and with potential super fights and um, with the cannoneer come up. Um, Rob... Man, you know, I don't necessarily think it's back to the drawing board for him, right? I think he's the best middleweight on the planet who isn't named Israel Adesanya, right? So I think that he, um, at this point, just needs to um, work, you know? He's a fighter. Go fight. You know, have a lot of fun. Make some good money. Keep developing his brand. Keep developing his little uh, his little cult of personality that he's got going for him over there in Australia. Um, I actually... Uh, play games online a pretty fair amount. I'm actually like low key a video game addict. Um, it's one of the reasons why my, uh, the production on my Konoha companion podcast is kind of slowed down because, um, you know, it's basically, I do these podcasts in the evening and so anytime that I'm wanting to play video games, it's taken from my podcasting time. So, uh, you know, the Konoha companion has been the one who's taken the brunt of that. But the point that I was working towards is that one of the people who I game with is from Australia and he, can confirm that uh, Bobby Knuckles, even for people who aren't necessarily into sport over there, everyone knows about him. Everyone knows who he is. He's a national treasure. And, uh, you know, nothing but good things are going to come to Robbie. You know, it's just the bottom line. He's going to keep fighting and keep winning. And, you know, we'll see how things go for him. Um, and, you know, from two Oceania fighters to a third Oceania fighter, um, Ty Tuivasa came into town and knocked Derek Lewis the fuck out in his hometown. Holy shit. Um, yeah, it was a crazy scene in Houston, man. Uh, like I said, being in the being in the crowd, bro, uh, people were crunk, to say the least. And there was actually nothing but love for Ty. You know, um, you know, there were several people who got booed throughout the night. The girl who beat um Roxanne Modafferi. 
um, you know, there were, there were some people who got booed, you know, some people who were going against the wrong person and they were going to get booed no matter what. And, um, you know, the crowd had every opportunity to boo Ty as the guy who was coming in to fight the hometown hero, but he's just too endearing of a character. Um, people just love the shit out of him. And even when he came into Houston to fight a Houston fighter, he got nothing but cheers. I could hear some boos in the crowd, but like it was completely overwhelmed by the cheers. Like it, the guy is loved. Whenever you can come from a fucking, you know, the, the other side of the globe on an island and drop down in Houston, Texas to fight a dude from Houston, Texas and still fucking get cheered on. Um, says something to the, the, the quality of entertainment that he can provide in the UFC. And I think that, uh, you know, if you look at who Ty is and who Derek is, they're, they're really similar characters, right? I mean, they're both big heavyweight guys who come to swing and bang, who knock people out, who have lots of fun, cut killer promos. Um, you know, a lot of stuff is going on and, and Ty even said in the, in the interviews coming up that he felt like this is kind of a pass into the torch fight, right? Where, um, you know, Derek is kind of getting old. He's kind of getting to where he's in the back half of his career, maybe hitting the twilight times as it were, maybe has one foot out. Um, I don't know any of this, right? But ultimately, um, Ty is young and on the come up and Derek is getting old and trending on the way out. Right. And uh, and they're basically the same guy providing the same type of entertainment value. Just they're from different sides of the planet. But ultimately, the UFC is a global company, so it all works. Um, and I think that you could literally, in terms of rankings, just plug tie in where Derek is and start having him have him gatekeep one or two guys. Maybe before have feeding him to the Cyril's and the Francis's and the Stipe's and the John Jones's of the world. But I mean, he's up there. Right. He's in that category now with because uh, I mean, Derek's number three heavyweight on the planet. You know, there's champion, number one, two, and three, uh, and he's number three, right? And now Ty, uh, man, slept the fuck out of him, bro. Um, he, uh, you know, the, they got to swinging and banging, and Derek took to wobbling, and Ty basically rushed him and pushed him against the cage and hit him with a short elbow in tight that, like, turned the lights off for our man, uh, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. I did not had a Black Beast shirt on in the crowd, bro. Um, so no love lost for Derek Lewis. He's a, he's a national treasure of the state of Texas. Um, everyone here loves him and you know, he'll, 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 he'll ride off into the sunset just fine. No one needs to worry about Derek. I don't feel like, right. He's making plenty of money fighting. Um, he's got plenty of sponsors, plenty of people love him around here. Literally he'll parlay his little brand into anything whenever this is all said and done. So he seems to keep going out there, keep having fun, keep training, staying in shape, and doing what's right for him and his family, and uh, things are going to work right on out. But, um, man, he hit Ty with some shots, bro. He kind of wrestled him a little bit, which wasn't something I was necessarily expecting. I think that Derek just wanted to put him against the cage, put him on his back, and hit him with hammers, and that's exactly what he did, bro. Um, that's exactly what Derek did, but Ty Tuivas has just got a head like a cinder block, bro. He was a uh, he was old Mark Hunt's punching bag for forever, right? So um, I don't know if he found his way into that because he's got a cinder blockhead, or if he has a cinder blockhead because of how many times he's been punched in the face by Mark Hunt, or if it's a little bit of both. But I know that uh, Derek hit him with some shots that definitely would have put a lot of motherfuckers way out. And in the interview, Ty was like, yeah, I knew he was hitting me. And, like, I knew I needed to get out of there or else he was going to knock me out. 
And uh, to Ty's credit, man, Derek had him like in the corner of the octagon. I was swinging and banging, and Ty literally punched his way out of the corner. Um, Ty's a fucking madman, bro. Uh, and I will say that Ty looked in the best shape that he's ever looked in the UFC. Um, you know, on on the HD cameras, Camrad's fifteen pounds. You know what I'm saying? He kind of looks maybe maybe doesn't pass the eyeball test whenever you're looking at him on the on the 8k cameras at home but let me tell you something that gentleman is built like an ass whooping machine in real life um yeah you can tell like i could see him walking around the octagon and like that's clearly nobody to fuck with so um you know he he's gonna do some really cool stuff in the ufc he did his shoey right did a did a fucking shoey in houston texas on us dabbed on the whole fucking state but I can't be too upset, man. I can't I can't resent him because he's a awesome and endearing character and I love the shit out of him. I wish that he could have done it to literally anyone other than Derek Lewis, but that's how the old cookie crumbles. I got too much love for both these fighters. Nothing but good things are coming for both of them. Uh the next fight on the card down it was one that I kind of mentioned earlier was Janin Cannonier and Derek Brunson. And I've been so fucking high on Jared Cannonier for so long because he was a heavyweight. And the guy's packing around that, like, OG 300-pound dude core body strength, right? Like, um, Derek Brunson looked the better technical wrestler, right? He was able to get him down several times, like, some real nice takedowns, man. But, uh, but Jared's just got too much core strength. We could just stand up. He literally stood up. With Derek Brunson on him, and uh, and there was no holding that man down. And uh, woo, whenever the finish came, it was fucking vicious, man. Um, they got into an exchange up top, you know, standing, and Jared knocked him down, and Jared got on top of him and hit him with one big right hand, and then like three vicious goddamn elbows. We actually, uh, my brother took a video of him in the stands, and you could see. Where as those elbows were coming down, someone from uh, Derek Brunson's corner literally threw the towel in. Um, they were trying to get it stopped before the ref was. So it was a it was a vicious ass finish, um, and that's just the that's just the story of Derek Brunson's career. Man, he's been doing this shit for so long, and he's so talented, and so he's like championship caliber material, right? He just keeps hitting these bumps in the road right whenever it's time for him to get over the hump, right? And, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what's next for Derek. Um, you know, I'm certain that he's going to gatekeep for a little while. I'm certain he'll keep winning. I'm certain he'll move up and start getting more shots, and he'll either win it or he'll find himself in a championship fight. You know, um, that's, that's what I believe is going to come for Derek Brunson. I don't think he's going to go on no skid, um, right, he's going to take this L on the chin, he's going to come out there, and he's going to beat the shit out of whoever he fights next, he's fucking angry, um, so yeah, Derek Brunson, uh, keep an eye out for him moving forward, don't count him out at all, and nothing taken away from him for getting, uh, you know, uh, done the way he got done by Jared Cannonier, because Jared Cannonier is a special athlete, and a special fighter, and a special human being, and uh, I think that he is going to go in and give Israel Adesanya a heck of a fight. Um, I don't know necessarily how that's going to go. I mean, obviously, if you're picking, you're picking Israel Adesanya. But uh, I don't know how Jared Cannonier is going to go about trying to solve the puzzle that is Israel Adesanya. We'll have an opportunity to talk about that more as you know, whenever that time comes. Right? I'm certain that it's a basically an, an inevitability at this point. 
at lightweight, we had a Renato Moicano and Alexander Hernandez fight. These are two studs, right? Two studs who are, um, they're good. They're very, very good. I uh, actually had Alexander Hernandez pick to win this one. I uh, got low on him after he lost to Donald Cerrone back in the day. Um, but every time I picked against him, he won. And then I finally turned the corner and picked him, and then he lost, right? So I think that I have me like a Roronoa Zorro thing going right now where I just always choose wrong in regards to Alexander Hernandez. So whenever I make a pick on Alexander Hernandez, you go the opposite way and place a bet, and you'll probably make some money is the honest truth. Um but it was a real good fight, man. I mean, the first round was a lot of fun. Um, but then the second round, Renato was able to get his back. And, um, you know, Moicano is just too fucking good on the back. You know, he just choke shut him. And uh, that's how the old cookie crumbles, man. Um, you know, I don't think we'll be seeing Alexander Hernandez go anywhere. I'm certain he'll be uh, winning fights here soon enough. Renato Moicano is just going to keep trending up. We'll see what comes up next for him. Uh, the next fight was Bobby Green versus Nasrat Hakbarzast. And uh, Bobby Green is a badass all of a sudden, bro. I don't know what the fuck happened. But Bobby Green has turned a corner in the last year or two where, like, he's beating people's asses, bro. His hands are so fast. His one-two was just going right between the guard of Nasrat's. Um, he's so fast, so aggressive, so creative. And uh, having so much fun in there, man. Talking shit, taunting, getting in his opponent's head, bro. Um, all in all, a really, really fun fight. He had the crowd behind him. I mean, it was like he was from Houston, man. Um, but that's what happens when you go in there and you're a real one and you fight hard and you put on a show for everybody. You know, everybody sees that and appreciates that. So uh, it ain't no mystery. Bobby Green's going out there. He's fighting hard. He's not even asking for ranked matches or anything like that. He just wants exciting fights, you know? And uh, as long as he keeps going out there and fighting the way he's fighting, I'm certain that the matchmakers will happily oblige him because uh, it's been nothing but bangers, right? Uh, especially, I mean, in my mind, since the Ally Quinta fight. The Ally Quinta and this one, Bobby Green's looking like a whole different goddamn monster. Um, on the preliminary card, there were, uh, you know, Andre Orlovsky got to put in some work. Bro, I got to watch Andre Orlovsky fight. This dude's been doing this shit since I was, like, fucking a preteen. So it was neat getting to watch him go do his thing. The guy's a fucking a Greek god in there, bro. He's so fit and so uh, professional at what he's doing. I mean, the guy can jump rope for, for the whole fight. And uh, he's technical these days, and he's measured. And, yeah, Andre Orlovsky's like a really, really tough fight for anybody. And this uh, Jared Jared Venderea is a fucking humongoloid. I mean, he's 6'4", 265. I mean, that's as big as they come in the UFC, bro. And Andre Orlovsky uh, did the work. Did the work. Uh, Casey O'Neill, man, looked so good against Roxanne Mataferi. I hate that they had to do this to Roxanne Mataferi. Give her some 8-0 fucking badass on the come up who's about to go try and fight for championships on the way out. Like, bruh, it was her last fight. Y'all could have given her someone who, you know, was like 6-3 and three on the come up-ish. You know, but damn, nope, nope, uh, this sport is not forgiving like that. Um, 
Roxanne won around though. I think she wound up running the third round. I mean, she made it a good fight. She even said uh, maybe it was the second round. I don't remember. But even in the interview, she said, you know, I'm 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 pleased with how that one went. You know, I fought hard, and that's life. And uh, man, Casey O'Neill needs to be watched out for, bro. Her her boxing is top notch for girls. She needs to get better on the microphone though. Um, she definitely did not win over the crowd in Houston um, at all, which, you know. I understand she's upset. She's getting booed for something that ain't her fault. But she needs to also understand that, like, they're not booing her for putting on a bad performance or, like, being a bad fighter. They're booing her because she's the person who just sent Roxanne out of fairy packing and everybody loves Roxanne. And, like, no one wants you to be the fucking bad guy or anything like that. Like, everybody is just, like, emotionally booing against the person who just sent Roxanne out of fairy packing. Right? Should have giving it a second, giving the crowd a moment to breathe and been like, I understand it's tough seeing Roxanne go, I hope you guys appreciated the performance type shit. And everybody would have been like, eh, yeah, clap, clap. And like, at least could have won the crowd over, but whatever. Maybe she's trying to create a heel character. I don't know. I'm not real for the theatrics, Colby Covington shit. I'm here for sport. Although this is an entertainment sport, right? And you have to do what you have to do to promote it. And so I don't know. You know, the, the promotion stuff can get kind of cheesy. I feel like the marketing team, as long as you fight good, can do plenty. Um, but, hey, that's life. Casey O'Neill on the come up. Watch out. Roxanne Mataferi, what a legend. Love her to death, man. Um, wish her nothing but the best moving forward with whatever comes after uh, you know fighting. Kyler Phillips looked really great against Marcelo Rojo. Um, two really hard-fought rounds. And then in the third round, he got him mounted, put him in a mounted triangle, and then armbarred him. It was clinical. Absolutely beautiful. Um, really fun fight. And it got it was, uh, I believe, the, the first finish of the night. And so it, uh, it, got, it got the crowd lit. Uh, it got the crowd lit. And it did nothing but good for Kyler Phillips', for Kyler Phillips stock. And so uh, that's as far as I'm going to go in that fight card. Anybody who didn't get mentioned in the fight card who fought, I am fucking sorry, man. I only have a limited amount of time and effort available on this. But know that all of us love you. You know, you're a badass. You go in there and fucking fight for a living. You're a stud. And so, you know, if you didn't get mentioned by name, know that, like, we're with you at heart. But uh, so the fights that happened between UFC 270 and UFC 271 was a fight night between Hermanson and Strickland. Uh, this one went the way I expected it to. I was expecting Sean Strickland to get it done. He's on a tear. Jack Hermanson um, has been having maybe a little bit of a skid. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Sean reminds me a lot of, a, of like, a, a Michael Bisbing character. He looks like him. He doesn't give a fuck like him. Um, and he goes in there to whip ass. And, uh you know, he's an endearing character, bro. Um, you know, he says some stuff that, uh, that people might not like. He says some stuff that I might not necessarily even like or agree with. But the fact is that he's a real human being who isn't giving us, like, the programmed autonomous responses that are prescribed by the corporate overlords. Just tickles me fucking pink, bro. Go be a troglodyte. If you want to be an idiot... Be an idiot, bro. As long as you're doing it sincerely and you're being true to yourself, then, like, I'm a fine love for you. I got unconditional love for everybody. So be yourself as sincerely as you can be. And Sean Strickland's already doing that. So he gets extra points um, in, in my world. 
he uh, it didn't quite go the way I expected it to. Um, you know, it, Sean won, right? But um, I thought that Sean was gonna was gonna turn it on more, right? He was pretty content to counter strike. Um, but with that being said, you know, you're fighting a guy like fucking crazy ass Jack Hermanson, who's marching forward and throwing crazy punches and dipping like he's gonna shoot on you. He's a hard guy to hit, and you know, but he didn't. He couldn't hit Sean. Sean's uh, defense is out of this world. His footwork's out of control. His uh, keeping his hands up and his head movements all good. I mean, like uh, the little stuff that needs to happen in order for him to be like in the proper position. He's always doing right. It's not that he's like throwing the biggest shots, or he's like doing anything particularly explosive. He's just like winning the footwork battle, keeping his hands where they're supposed to be all the time, fighting smart, and like the guy's good. And you couple that with being a fucking psycho killer like Sean is, and it all comes together to be a really good fighter. Um, even if he, you know, I don't know what he's going to, if he's ever going to win the belt or anything like that, but I don't know he's always, always, always going to be a fun fight. And so UFC, hear me, you have a Sean Strickland fight, your boy is tuning in. Man, a bunch of other no names fought on here. I mean, uh, you know, Nick Maximov, we've seen him, he's undefeated. Um, he's from, uh, I believe the, uh, yeah, he's the dude from the, uh, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz little camp. Um, I wasn't expecting him to wrestle as much as he did, but he did. And he got the win, man. It was a pretty decisive win and he preserved the O was the O stayed. It's a more power to him. Um, this shot caught Romanov 15 and O. this guy is a lot of fun to fight. Um, it's not to say that it wasn't without its adversity. There was definitely plenty of adversity, um, which is good for him, right? He uh, had to walk through some fire to get it in. Um, he threw a, I think he got him with like a spinning heel kick or some shit. It was really exciting. Really exciting fight. Um, I will be tuning in to all the Shavcat, the Shavcat fights moving forward. I don't know how the fuck I'm supposed to say that. That is such an obscure God dang Russian Eskimo name. I have no idea, but good on him. Uh, he won and I'm proud of him and I can't wait to see more of him. Um, Brendan Allen, um, he bounced back from a tough L recently, came in, took a fight on short notice against Sam Alvey, uh, choked him in the second round. Um, Sam smiled the whole way. You know, uh, a consummate professional Sam always is. Um, went out there, fought hard. Um, but you know, younger guy on the come up, you know, it's, it's just new breed versus old breed. That's all you can really say, but that's enough on that card. Um, beyond that, uh, it was UFC 270. There's actually only one fight card between, between UFC 270 and UFC 271. And, uh, we have a couple of fight cards between now and UFC 272. The one coming up, um, on Saturday, February 19th is the fight night Dos Anjos versus Fiziv, which is now no longer Dos Anjos versus Fiziv. Uh, I can't remember which one of them, but one of them's having some visa issues. So that fight has been canceled. They're trying to figure out if they can plug it in somewhere in the, in the 272 card from what I understand. Um, so now the, the fight that they have listed at the top is Johnny Walker versus Jamahal Hill. Damn, they ain't doing no favors for Jamahal, man. He's 9-1, and they got him fighting Johnny Walker, who's been around the block at this point. Um, Sure, 
Sure, I guess. You know, you would. I would. I would want to see maybe John Mahog another fight or two in before they give him someone like Johnny. But I think Johnny's had a little bit of a. I don't. I don't know his record recently, but I know he took a couple of losses. So maybe he's just real, real middle of the pack these days in the UFC's eyes. But, um, man, these are two big, fast dudes. That's going to be a fun fight. I know that John Mahal's, um boxing and hands looked extraordinary. Um, in his last fight, but you know Johnny Walker always looks great. Man, his tie, his his tie knees and elbows are good. He's creative and fun, and so this will be a fun fight. Um, then we've got uh, Kyle Dawkins versus Jamie Pickett. Um, Kyle is not to be confused with his brother Chris Dawkins, who fights at heavyweight, who was recently on a tear until he uh, met the Knockout King, the Black Beast. Um, who then turn, in turn met Tai Tuivasa, shoey god. Um, but so Kyle Dawkins is fighting Jimmy Pickett. It ought to be a fun fight. Both the Dawkins brothers can fight like a son of a bitch. So, uh, you know, I would, I would be hard-pressed to pick against uh, Kyle here. You got Parker Porter versus Alan Bodat, Jim Miller versus Nicholas Mata, and Joaquin Buckley versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And so, you know, Joaquin Buckley, he's always really excited, really exciting. He never, you know, he's the guy who got the, the guy caught his kick and he did the spinning kick from that position that sent the guy to space. So everybody always uh, gets a little extra anxiety um, whenever he's fighting, suspenseful guy, because he could do something really crazy. Jim Miller is a fucking timeless legend. He just keeps marching out there and winning every time he goes out there. So that ought to be fun. And we can go on to the next card. After that, we go to uh, Benil Dariush versus Islam Makachev. Man, whoever wins this fight is probably going to find themselves getting a title fight. Yeah, Benil Dariush has been on the come up here recently. Islam is obviously fucking 21 and 1. The guy, no one can beat him. Um, I think Benil might be the guy to do it, though. Benil's a very good wrestler. And Benil, a couple years ago, kind of turned a corner. He kind of he kind of had a skid, lost a couple fights, and then um, something changed in him where he decided he would start putting himself into more risky situations, more 50-50 situations, spots where he can win the fight and can lose the fight. And he's just been coming out the other side of that, the victor. Um, and so he's had a couple of like really dope-ass highlight reel wins here recently. Um, obviously, Islam Makachev, um, the way that he did Dan Hooker reminds me a lot of how Khabib did Michael Johnson. Um, a lot of people want to talk shit that Islam didn't get a fucking title shot immediately after beating Dan Hooker, even though Michael Chandler did. But you got to understand that Michael Chandler got that title shot after he beat Dan Hooker, who was on, uh, on a couple a couple fight win streak, Right. Uh, you can't come in and beat a guy who just lost and then go and get a title shot, right? You have to understand that Dan was Dan was one step below that now. Um, but dude, the UFC has not done any favors to Dan Hooker. I was I saw a stat that showed that like everybody who Dan Hooker's fought in the UFC in his last like six fights have basically been like undefeated or like one loss and on the come up. And like, yeah, they have Dan Hooker fighting only the most ruthless, savage of savages that the UFC has to offer. And I wish that they would do that man some favors, right? He's a marketable dude. 
super talented. Does not need to be the guy gatekeeping everybody. But hey, the UFC is going to do what they're going to do. Um, I don't mean to digress away from Benil Darius versus Islam Makachev because this is their show right now. And ultimately, um, if I got to pick it, I'm picking Islam, right? He, the guy, I've never seen him lose. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that um, that Saturday is going to be the day I see it. Although Benil Darius has the skill set and the mindset to get it done, and I would not be surprised if it went that way. But the gambler in me is going Makachev. The co-main in this card now is uh, Misha Sarkinov and Willington Terman. Motherfucking who? Willington Terman? I don't know that fella. I wish I did so that I could provide some more context here for the listeners and I could talk about this more. But you know, I don't know the fella. I know that Misha Sarkinov is a dangerous guy, but I know I've also seen him take some pretty hard L's recently too. Um, I think that the last time I saw Misha Sarkinov fight, he uh, beat Christoph Jocko. Um, if that's what I, if, if my memory serves me correctly, I may be full of shit, but, um, ultimately I think that, uh, Misha is a very, very dangerous fighter and, um, Will Willington's going to have a really, really hard night at the office. Um, the next fight is Ji Young Kim versus a 10 and four fighter who has no picture and no name. So that's always neat. Um, and like the rest of the card is guys who we don't know, right? These are, these are going to be the type of fights where, these people are trying to make a name for themselves on the card. And I really, really like these type of cards because although there isn't a lot of star power attention drawing people to the card, right, these guys are savages and they're going to fight their fucking hearts out. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be a really, really good card. And then uh, we can round this all out with uh, looking forward to UFC 272. Um, I can't believe that they're having Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal um, headline this thing, right? Um, not even like a BMF belt on the line, like just these two, because they have history. Um, I think that this fight could potentially be a little boring. Um, and I don't think it should necessarily be, um, headlining a $75 card. Um, but then again, I don't think that any of these cards should necessarily be $75. Um, but Hey, I got to tune in, um, because I'm running a podcast. Oh, hey, and then, uh, so Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal, um, obviously these two used to be best friends, now they hate each other, who knows how fucking deep the, the, the WWE of this goes, these guys might just be trolling us all for a big payday, I really don't know at this point, man, all I know is that these two act like they sincerely hate one another, I don't know if there's video of these two having been like, I mean, Colby literally referred to Jorge as his best friend at one point uh, on camera. And so, um, obviously, there's been a little bit of a falling out between the two. And now they don't like each other. And we're going to see how the fight goes. Uh, You know, if I'm really going to pick it, I think that Colby Covington probably puts his nose in Jorge's crotch for 25 minutes. Puts him against the cage. Dirty boxes. Wins the fight. I'd love to see Jorge get the win, though. I'm I'm a big Jorge fan. Right, the gambler in me says probably Colby, but my heart says Jorge all day on this. Uh, and then check this out: the co-main is RDA versus Rafael Faziv. Um, what was supposed to be the headliner from the upcoming fight night that got canceled due to visa issues. So we'll see how that fight goes. Obviously, RDA is a veteran stud, tough pill to swallow for anybody. Rafael Faziv is 11 and 1, you know, on the come up, super athletic, fun kicks, 
um, you know, good camp around him. We're going to see how that goes. If I have to pick, I'm probably, I'm probably going to pick Fazeev just because he's the guy with the hot hand right now. But if RDA wins, there's, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a world-class fighter. So it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Edson Barboza is fighting Bryce Mitchell, which, I mean, this is, you couldn't have scripted this better. If it's on the feet, Edson's going to send Bryce to space. If it's on the ground, Bryce is going to take a limb home, right? Um, isn't Bryce the one who wants his camo shorts? I think Bryce is the one who wants his goddamn camo shorts, bro. Um, and then Kevin Holland, man. Kevin Holland has turned into a, a personal favorite uh, in me and my crew, right? He keeps inviting the trolls up to his gym and beating the shit out of them. Um, and getting them, I mean, teaching trolls lessons and getting them some good internet fame, man. So uh, good on him on both ways. And he's fighting uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira. This is a tough fight, man, because Alex is a tough, I mean, he's he's a good striker, good on the ground. Um, tough fight, right? I don't think it's as tough as Jacare Souza was for him. So, um, you know, considering how Kevin handled Jacare, I probably got to pick uh, Kevin Holland in this one. But with that, guys, I've covered all kinds of shit, bullshitted about nothing, talked about the fights that led up to 271, talked about the fights at 271, um, Talked about my experience there. Talked about the fights leading up to 272 and the fights on 272. And I think that's enough. That's enough of you guys having to hear me talk. Um, thank you guys all for listening. Armchair Army Gang Gang. We'll catch you next time.